Welcome to episode 458 of the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not-so-classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I'm your writer, host, producer, Derek M. Cook. This is Monster Kid Radio, and the song you're hearing right now is the song The 57. It is from the band The Spy Tones. It's from their album Over the Moon, and you can find them at bobconroy.bandcamp.com. They gave us permission to play the music here on the show. Go check them out and let them know that Monster Kid Radio sent you when you're done listening to week two of Flashback February. So Flashback February is the month where we're taking a look at movies that we've already looked at before, just with different people. And over the course of over 400 episodes, we've covered a lot of movies. And Sometimes, you know, I worry that we might have run out of all the good ones. I know we haven't, but every once in a while, I want to revisit one that we've already talked about with somebody else. We did that last week with Scott Morris, with Abbott and Casella Meet Frankenstein. More on that in a second. And this week, I'm joined by my sister-in-law, Lori, who's going to talk with me about a movie from 1987. It's The Monster Squad. Huge fan of this film. Not exactly in the Monster Kid Radio wheelhouse, but pretty relevant as far as I'm concerned. At least that's how I'm going to justify my talking about it here on the show. Like I said, Lori is my sister-in-law. She was married to my late brother, Kevin, and I've maintained a relationship with her since then. In fact, I'd say my relationship with my sister-in-law is stronger now than it's ever been. She is the mother of Lexi Deluxe, who you heard on the show a couple of weeks ago when she helped me out with the introduction to an episode of NKR. And I really appreciate Lori taking the time to record with me here on the show. It means a lot to me. Like I said, last week we talked about Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, and we got some feedback about that. This is an email from Tom from the Go Forth and Game podcast. Hey, Derek, I just finished listening to the Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein episode. First, I enjoy when Scott is on the show. It's fun listening to you too, and we can hear your friendship, which is cool. Now to the show. I'm not a Bud and Lou fan. I'm not sure why, they just never sparked with me. That being said, this movie is an exception. I can watch it. Granted, that is mostly due to Lugosi Chaney in the plot, but hey, they got me to watch Chick. It's been a while since I watched it last, but I remember enjoying Chaney a lot, and it's always good to see Bela in a good role. You and Scott mentioned that it would have been cool to see more of Dracula as a mad scientist, and you are correct. That would be awesome. You mentioned that we see this a bit in the Monster Squad, Then I remembered that we have seen this in Hugh Jackman's Van Helsing. Dracula in that is all mad science-y trying to drain the monster of its life force to bring his offspring to life. And this movie is kind of an Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein in that we have the monster of Dracula and Wolfman as the central monsters. Too bad it couldn't have been a better movie. Okay, well, now to another interesting monster kid idea. Have you ever considered an episode about the monster horror in sci-fi cartoons? Those monster kid favorites like... Johnny Quest, The Groovy Ghoulies, Disney's Lonesome Ghost, Warner Brothers shorts like Hair Raising Hair and Transylvania 6500, Space Ghost, and of course, Scooby-Doo, our prime material for a show, I would think. I'm really enjoying the show. I remember when The Devil's Reign came out, seeing the commercials. I thought it looked cool. I've still yet to see it, though. Thanks for the reminder that I need to add it to the list. Same with The Devil Rides Out. I really want to see this one. Never really paid much attention to it, but hearing you and Frank Schildener talk about it piqued my interest. And Frank is such a well of information. I'm interested in finding out more about that author he talked about, though I have forgotten his name. 
The Satanic Rites of Dracula show reminded me that I'd never finished watching that movie. I got pulled away from it last year for some reason. So I finally watched it all the way through last Thursday while I was at home with back issues. That is a fun movie, right up until the end when it just stops. Alistair's idea of Dracula walking into the fire to end it was fantastic. I could see Dracula having Van Helsing in his clutches, letting him go, and turning, walking into the fire. That would have been so much better. I like Kenny's segments so much. It reminds me of the excitement I used to get when that envelope with my famous Monsters of Film Lamb would show up in the mail, and I've determined to try to start picking up some old issues. As investments, of course. I was also happy to hear that you received a copy of Horrified for Christmas. I picked it up and am extremely happy with it. It's my top game of 2019. So that's about it. And if you're interested, I'm doing a designer diary for a couple of games I'm designing over on my site, which, as I said earlier, was Go Forth and Game. It's following my effort to design a science fiction game using some Monster Kid movies as inspiration. Currently at five posts leading into making a game based on the thing that couldn't die. More to come. Hi to Brenda. I look forward to her return. Keep them scary. Tom. Lots to go over in this email. And let's see. I'm just going to start at the end and work my way back. I'll let Brenda know you said hello. She may or may not be returning back to the podcast. It, it really kind of is up in the air. It's just podcasting was never really her thing she did get involved with it back when i was doing the zombie show years ago and she enjoyed what she did but it just is one of those things where again she didn't start out wanting to be a podcaster she supports me hands down just she doesn't get that same charge that i do when i hit record and start blabbing into the mic so i, I will let her know that she is missed I'm excited to check out those posts. I'm a little behind on a lot of my website browsing. I haven't looked at your website yet, but I definitely will because that just sounds awesome. And The Thing That Couldn't Die, a game based on The Thing That Couldn't Die, sounds awesome. Horrified is awesome as well. Definitely dig that. And I dig Kenny's segments. Okay, a couple of movies that you mentioned uh, that we covered during the Satanic Rites of January. I'd be real eager to hear what you think when you finally see The Devil's Reign or The Devil Rides Out. Dennis Wheatley is the author that wrote the novel that The Devil Rides Out is based on. So yeah, let me know what you think about those when you do see them eventually. I'm sure you've got a to-watch list that's just as long as mine of no longer. Okay, your monster kid idea about covering cartoons. I never really dove into any of the cartoon series proper. However, there's been a lot of talk off and on between me and another collaborator, another person who's been on the show quite a bit about doing Scooby-Doo. And I've made a decision, not this year, there's too much on my plate already, but next year there will be a Scooby-Doo themed thing from Monster Kid Radio. I don't know if it's going to be an episode guide, a watch with me kind of thing. I don't know if it's going to be uh, an episode to episode breakdown or just kind of a bouncing around Scooby-Doo topics, that sort of thing. But it will happen next year. Stay tuned for that. As an aside, I'm slowly catching back up on the TV show Supernatural, and I just watched the Scooby-Doo Supernatural crossover episode, Scooby Natural, and that was a hoot. And as for Abbott and Costello and Frankenstein, I think that's really my absolute favorite Abbott and Costello film because of the monsters. I like the other ones too, and I recommend giving him another shot, but there's just something about Abbott and Costello and Frankenstein that is pure magic. Listeners, if you want to be cool like Tom and send me an email, you can do so by emailing me at monsterkidradio at gmail.com. I'm going to play a promo for Tom's podcast, Go Forth and Game, here in a second. In fact, why don't I do that right about now?
Good evening, Monster Kids. This is the Count. I'm here with some friends to tell you about our favorite board and card game podcast. It's Go Forth and Game. Tom and Ryan talk about all things gaming with special emphasis on interviews with game designers and publishers. What do you think about this, my tall, gaunt friend? Go forth, game! Good! And what about you, my undead comrade? I think Go Forth and Game is the most entertaining podcast about board and card games that I've come across in 4,522 years. So, if you enjoy listening to two monster kids discuss topics like abstract games, the best family games, game schooling, various game mechanics, and of course, monster-themed games, then you should give Go Forth and Game a try. That's GoForthAndGame.com, available on iTunes and Spotify. seconds to tell you about something I think you'll remember the longest day you live. It's about a man named Scott Carey. A few months ago, he was six feet, two inches tall and weighed 190 pounds. Today, he's two inches tall and you can hold him in the palm of your hand. Now he lives in a world where he must fight for his life, a world where a friendly house cat is a predatory monster. Incredible, because it's almost beyond imagining. Incredible, because every hour he gets smaller and smaller. Incredible, because every moment the terror mounts. See the top double thrill, double chill motion picture program of the year. Curse of the Werewolf, in color. The harrowing story of the legendary half-man, half-wolf. His evil beast blood demanded he kill, kill, kill. Plus, the shadow of the cat. A shocking adventure into murder and psychotic fear. Two terrifying hits together. Don't miss them. talk about the Rondo Hatton Classic Horror Awards. The ballot has been announced, and once again, you guys and gals have helped to put Monster Kid Radio under consideration for the best multimedia category. And I gotta tell you guys and gals, I, I love this. Thank you so much for making Monster Kid Radio part of the Rondos once again. I think every year that Monster Kid Radio has been in production, we've been on the ballot as a nominee. And we did win that one time. And, you know, I, I would love I would love to get a second win. So if you haven't already voted, please consider voting for Monster Kid Radio for Best Multimedia. Now, I know that voting can sometimes feel a little clunky. It's an old school way of doing things. You just emailed David Colton, the guy who runs the Rondos, your ballot. That's it. 
You don't have to vote in every category. In fact, if you haven't seen the nominees in a particular category, I would recommend making a point to checking out those nominees before voting. Please don't vote blindly. I mean, vote honestly. You know what I mean? And I'd like to give a special shout out to Josh Kennedy. Josh Kennedy's House of the Gorgon is up for Best Independent Film. Josh and I are part of the Monster Conservancy, and I would love to see the Monster Conservancy get represented on the winner's list this year at the Rondos. Head over to RondoAward.com to learn more about the Rondos, to learn more specifics about how to vote. But I'll just tell you, all you got to do is email David at Taraco at AOL.com. And that's spelled T as in Tom, A-R-A-C as in cat, O at AOL.com. I'll make sure it's listed in the show notes as well. If you've already voted for Monster Kid Radio for Best Multimedia, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. And maybe... Maybe my single Rondo Hatton award will get a tag team partner this year with another win. We'll see. Congratulations to all the nominees and best of luck. Hello there, Monster Kid Radioheads. This is Kenny with a look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. This week we will continue our issue-by-issue look at films receiving full coverage in FM. We are at issue 13 from August of 1961, the first 100-page issue. Only two films had article-length coverage. The first film was St. George and the Seven Curses from Bert I. Gordon. Never heard of it? Well, the name was changed before actual release to the simpler The Magic Sword. It begins with this brief introduction. What mortal man ever faced such perils, dared such dangers, defied death in over half a dozen horrifying forms? Bird Eye Gordon, who thrilled you with Cyclops, the Spider, Attack of the Puppet People, and Tormented, has pulled all stops out to create a masterpiece of monsterdom. A complete spoiler-filled synopsis continues with nine pictures from the film. It concludes with this brief plug for the movie. Abundant thrills and chills in Eastman color and super perceptovision under the direction and special effectsmanship of the spectacles author Bert Gordon. Next up is editor Forrest J. Ackerman's critical review feature Inside Dr. Aquila. In this issue, he looks at a 50s sci-fi classic. The Incredible Shrinking Man, screenplay by Richard Matheson from his pocketbook, is an exceptionally good job of translation to sight and sound. The powers that be gave Matheson his head, the body-severed one that one generally thinks of him carrying around under his arm, and he kept tautly cerebral control of it until the final few moments when the dialogue became a little bit too brainy for my grade cells to accept, but it by no means spoils the picture, which I anticipate seeing again. All concerned with the production deliberately made it difficult on themselves by undertaking to show Carrie active in a dozen different stages of reduction. The resultant cinemagic is fascinating to behold. One realized the sets had to be built on a giant scale in order to give the illusion of the man being that small. Shrewdly, one is not allowed much pause to wonder. Too many exciting things are constantly happening. I said I found the ending unconvincing, unable to communicate with his wife and the rest of the human race. Carrie, no cold-blooded scientist, but a warm, emotional person, becomes reconciled to his fate vocally philosophizes about it, even looks forward to life as a molecular moat. But Carey cared too much about everyday life and people to make his resignation to the microscopic world acceptable to me. 
It just seemed inconsistent with his character. So in summary, he liked the film, except for the ending speech. The two featured films have yet to be covered by MKR. Both are classics in their own way. Add them to the list, Derek. That is all for this week's look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. We will have more next time. For MKR, this is Kenny saying adios. where the Superman of evil is king. Let no man face my seven curses and reach the dragon's lair. Together we will dare the demons of the green flame. See the white hot face of the fiery rock. Enter the mammoth cave that closes behind you where humans are trapped entombed. Brave the volcanic inferno of the boiling crater. See the miracle of the magic sword. Panic sweeps London from end to end. Even Scotland Yard is baffled. But two men of intrepid daring fight back. It's Abbott and Costello at their hilarious best, battling fiction's most fearsome themes in Bud Abbott and Lou Costello meet Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Co-starring Boris Karloff as Robert Louis Stevenson's fabulous double demon. Mr. Hyde will kill him. Mr. Hyde will kill him. With Helen Wesson, Craig Stevens, and Reginald Denny. Hey, stop this fight, this lady's Bud and Lou are tearing up the town, trapping the beast among a bevy of beauty, adding turmoil to terror in a house of horrors that would frighten even Frankenstein. Come on, we can catch your master. Give me a hand. And what a riot when they get funny notions from deadly potions. Hey, Slim. What? Those guys must be seeing things. Pay no attention, then they're drunk. You know, there's always a way of. This is Count Vlad, but you may recognize me by my more familiar name. Count Dracula, and I'm here to offer you a friendly warning. Derek and his guests often get excited, and occasionally this results in revealing key plot points of the movies they're discussing. In your parlance, you might call these revelations spoilers. You know how the children of the night, ah, I mean monster kids, can get sometimes. So consider yourself warned, and don't come begging to me to kill them for their transgressions afterward. I have more pressing issues to take care of.
like that pesky Van Helsing. Monster Kid Radio listeners, I typically stick to the classic era when it comes to movies that we talk about here on the podcast. I've talked about how I use 1968 as kind of my soft cutoff for films to talk about here on the show. Just that's just kind of what I like to look at as as my breaking point between classic and modern genre cinema. However, there are a number of movies that have been made more recently than 1968 that tap into that monster kid vibe, celebrate the monster kidness that we celebrate here on the show. And one of those movies is a movie from the 1980s. It's the Monster Squad from director Fred Decker. And we talked about this movie many, many moons ago on the show when there was a screening of it here in Portland. And I went to it with, I think, Ray Jelinek was there and a handful of other people were there, Chris McMillan. And it was just, it was a great time, you know, to see the Monster Squad with some friends was just a blast. And the director was there too. But I keep thinking about this film and I keep wanting to bring it back and talk about it. And it's flashback February. So let's talk about the movie again with somebody brand new. Somebody who's never been on the podcast before, and I think probably her very first podcast appearance, is my sister-in-law, Lori. How you doing? I'm good. Hey, everybody. I'm really excited to do this. This is your first podcast, right? You've never done anything like this before? Never. I'm very nervous, <laughs> but it'll be fun. I'll be gentle, and listeners, you be gentle, because she's family, and if you're not, you know, I'm coming for it. You know, I'm just saying. Well, I'm just so privileged to be doing this with my famous brother-in-law. I mean, I'm, oh, I'm okay. stoked. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> the Monster Squad, uh, let's see, I said it came out in the 1980s, 1987 specifically, and when it first came out, theatrically, it bombed. It's unfortunate, but it just did not do very well, and it was just one of three feature films from director Fred Decker. Probably didn't help that his next film was RoboCop 3, and oh. that's pretty much it. We haven't really <laughs> seen much more from him theatrically. He's been behind the scenes doing some writing, producing, did some television things, things along those lines. He actually wrote a bunch of episodes of Star Trek Enterprise and wrote the most recent Predator film that came out in 2018. So, I mean, he's been involved with films just as a director and not really much to his name, unfortunately, which is too bad oh. because the Monster Squad is, as far as I'm concerned, an almost perfect film. I agree. It is a classic. I watched it seven times the other day. <laughs> I had to catch wow. up. I had to watch it a couple times to, you know, make sure I knew what I was talking about today. I don't know if I watched it that many times. Actually, I know I didn't. Oh, no, I, I'm exaggerating a tad. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, you said seven now, but when we were chatting on Facebook, you said five. So I don't know. I, you know, I, I just watched it once. I lost count. And I think Lexi was sick to death of watching it with me. She left the room at some point. So I, I lost her somewhere in the probably hour, first hour of the movie. She looked at me and she said, this is kind of dumb. It's, you know, she's 17. She has no taste. So wow. you know, we can't, can't blame her for that. We are throwing Lexi Deluxe under the bus. <laughs> this is kind of dumb. Does she not know whose niece she is? Come on now. I know. I know. She said, this is one of the worst movies you've ever showed me. So she didn't like it. And I just said, you're not my child. And she left the room. Wow. <laughs> I, 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 I hope you're exaggerating a little bit. Oh, I'm teasing her. But seriously, I mean, come on. How can you not like the Monster Squad? You know who to call when you have ghosts. But who do you call when you have monsters? 
We're the Monster Squad. What's a squad? It's like Miami Vice, I think. They're young and inexperienced. Naughty virgin. They're a bit disorganized. Monsters are not real. We don't know that, sir. Two thousand-year-old dead guys do not get up and walk away by themselves. But when strange things start happening in town, there's a monster in my closet. Ooh, look at that big, scary monster! What's happening? You wait till the werewolf. Silver bullet. They're the only ones ready to do battle. Something down there is killing people, and if it's monsters, nobody's gonna do a thing about it but us. Soon the creatures of the night shall rule the world. Real monsters. Midnight in the world, remember? Maybe we can be like Mask Squad and Stingy, two mask bombs. We got a 10:35. Sit back up. Hurry up. Meet your squad. The book is right. Don't you see it's all true? By midnight. You guys. They won't seem so young anymore. Monster Squad. Wolfman's gone. It takes me back to my childhood. I think that's why I like it so much. I can remember watching it as a child and genuinely being scared of certain parts of that movie that now I watch it and I think, why was I scared? That's so silly. But he, I mean, especially that Dracula, he was terrifying. He was terrifying, especially for a little kid to watch. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I've said this before, and I'll stand by this. Duncan Regeer is the actor, and I apologize if I'm mispronouncing his last name. I've never really settled on what it's supposed to be. But Duncan is one of the best on-screen Draculas I've ever seen. This guy genuinely gives me goosebumps every time I see him on screen as Dracula. I mean, of course, the end line when he looks at that little girl and says, you know, what, the what he says. <laughs> yes, the line. It's just, you don't forget that. I remember just shivering when he did it. And I, I had watched an interview with the young lady who played that little girl. And she had said that that reaction was 100% genuine. He, he terrified her. I've heard that about how some of the actors did treat the, the children, the kids on set. The guy who played Frankenstein's monster purposely stayed in character all the time around wow. the kids from what I understand uh, that's Tom Noonan who's also a really good Frankenstein's monster I mean one of the one of my favorites I go as far as saying well it's interesting you say that because when she was speaking in an interview she said you know she's saying don't go away Frankenstein she was crying genuinely she said it was pretty intense for the age she was when she did that movie oh I bet I, I would be surprised if it wasn't i mean it, it's a pretty impressive performance from both frankenstein's monster the, the, the actor and then uh ashley bank the person who played the little girl phoebe oh absolutely her her german was impeccable <laughs> she did a pretty good job she held her own she, she held did. her own. i mean i was listening to it this last time i watched it and even i took german class and it's not an easy language even to um, repeat what someone is saying is not always easy. And what was she, like six? Oh, I couldn't have done it. 
Yeah, I mean, that's pretty impressive. You know, she doesn't have the, the typical kid actor stink to her that you get with a lot of movies like this where, oh, they're kids, they're annoying, whatever. I mean, she holds her own against some of the other actors and, and performers in the film. I don't think there's really a weak link in the cast. I think everybody no. does a great job. And it's funny because my daughter, who's 17, again, Lexi Deluxe, she said, <laughs> isn't that the kid who played on Kids Incorporated? <laughs> she was talking yes. about Ryan Lambert. <laughs> It is. And I said, it yes, is. that's him. She goes, well, how do you go from Kids Incorporated to playing kind of a thug? And I said, I <laughs> I don't know, but he, he pulled it off. That's for sure. So kudos to my 17-year-old niece who knows what Kids Incorporated is. And <laughs> <laughs> which I, I also watched as a kid. Uh, I think Kevin watched it more than me, but it was on. And I remember Ryan Lambert on that show. I think he was like the drummer, wasn't he? I think I don't so. remember for sure. He was yeah. like the heartthrob, you know. Yeah. yeah, I think pretty much everything he ever did, he was kind of the little heartthrob. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think he was the drummer. But you know, your brother would deny that over and over again <laughs> that he watched Kids Incorporated, right? <laughs> <laughs> He'd say, what? What was that? Unfortunately, he's not around to defend himself. So we can throw him under the bus all we want. Um, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. No, 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 that's no. I, yeah, that's fine. No, he would be so happy that we're talking about this movie because it was his, one of his absolute favorites too. Right on. So. Right on. Ryan Lambert, he's playing the thug, but I mean, the lead is Andrew Gower, Sean, who originally auditioned for the role of Rudy, from what I understand. But I'm so glad he was the linchpin, the leader of the Monster Squad, Sean, because that's a kid I would have followed into Mockingbird Lane and gone to the house and done all the adventures with the monsters. I would have followed him. Sure. Why not? Oh, for sure. And did he do anything after the Monster Squad? So, yeah, I mean, he did a lot of television. Okay. Uh, he was primary. I think a lot of the kids, uh, most of them did a lot of TV. Like I know before the monster squad, he did an episode of like Knight Rider. He did a couple episodes of TJ Hooker. Uh, he was in the 1980s version of the Twilight Zone. He did an episode of that after uh, the monster squad. Uh, it looks like he did a lot more television and okay. kind of took a break from acting for a little while before coming back into it into the mid 2000s and he actually and i still haven't seen it yet so listeners if anybody knows how to get their hands on it he is the man behind the documentary wolfman's got nards which is about the monster squad and supposedly (laughs) it made the festival circuit i'd love to see it i just yeah i I don't know that's awesome (laughs) wolfman's got nards (laughs) that's awesome I was laughing when that was on the other day, too. There were some really good lines in that movie, for sure. You know what I was surprised is this, again, watching it as an adult, I did not put two and two together until just this last time that the mom is the same mom in The Goonies. Yeah. I don't know how that slipped by me all these years, but I'm looking at her and I'm like, that's the same mom. She plays a slightly different character. I mean, this is a mother who's in a relationship that's on the rocks. And I didn't notice this the first time I saw the film either. It actually took a few viewings before I kind of realized some of the stuff that was happening behind the story of the monsters. A couple of times as the movie progresses, you'll see that she's like packing up her stuff to leave, that she's going to you leave her husband and you see the suitcases sitting by the door ready to go out right when Dracula shows up. So there's some things happening there. Whereas in the Goonies, you know, everything's happy, hunky dory, whatever. 
people accept that they're losing their houses and have to move well, away. Well, that's and, true. <laughs> I'm but, just kidding. But, but the relationships are fine. The relationships are okay. And isn't that funny, though, that as children, we don't even notice those things because right. our innocent minds don't take us there. But because we haven't been through relationship problems, we haven't had children, we haven't done those things yet. And so we're watching it from the kid point of view where the relationship stuff just goes over your head. And I think that's exemplified by a scene in the film with Phoebe when the power goes out and she's scared of the dark and the mom comes in to light a candle. And uh, as she's leaving the room, Phoebe asks, are you going to yell at him? And the mom's thought is, no, I love your father, Ben. And she's like, no, no, no. Are you going to yell at my brother for scaring me? I mean, it's not even an, I, not even conceivable that she's going to go yell at her dad. Yeah. Exactly what you were saying. I mean, and that's something that I think that's smart about this film. I love The Goonies. Don't get me wrong. I, I love The Goonies. I think it's a great film. It's something that I loved growing up. But this one seems a little more real to me, despite the fact that it's got monsters. <laughs> well, but it also, as a child, made you think that was possible, and that made it even more scary. So that was what was so cool about it. Um, yeah, the Goonies, like you said, the chances of finding a pirate ship with millions of dollars of treasure on it is very unlikely. And <laughs> I guess about as unlikely as monsters, but... As a child, I guess we can conceive it in our head more that monsters are real as opposed to, you know, treasure. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know. Like I said, it just took me back to being a little kid when I was watching it. Because, yeah. like you said, you recognize things in, as an adult that you're like, wow, I didn't even notice that before. Yeah. So, you were just saying that. And I immediately went to the opening scene with the principal. Science is real monsters are not we don't know that sir you know so like yeah of course it's possible that they could be out there or or some real life monsters could be which is again something i didn't pick up on when i first saw the film with scary german guy having the numbers tattooed in his wrist i had no clue what that was supposed to be a reference to no clue no clue i had asked my mom yeah i i no idea i just assumed i i don't i don't know whatever i don't get it now, obviously now. Or the insinuation when he says, I do, he's talking about Nazis yeah. as opposed to Dracula or the zombie or whatever. Yeah. He's talking about how those were monsters to him. Exactly. Pretty significant. It is. <laughs> it's real world heavy stuff that you don't pick up on as a kid because as a kid, you're caught up in the adventure, the fantasy of the monsters and wishing you really had a clubhouse just like those guys did. And wondering if that pie is really as good as that kid said it was. <laughs> Time is almost up. It sure looked good. <laughs> and what was so funny is as a kid, I was thinking, I wonder if it's poisoned or something, you know, because <laughs> they made him so scary at the beginning of it. And uh -huh. I'm thinking, what's in that pie? <laughs> and it didn't help that when we see him inside the house, he's got the knife. Camera starts on the <laughs> knife. Oh. Who has room for more pie? <laughs> and then they're chasing, you know, they're trying to get to town as fast as they can. And this sweet little German man says, perhaps we should go back to my place for some pie? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's always important in the middle of a crisis. Sure. Just well, a little pie. At that point, he hadn't actually seen any of the monsters in the film. I mean, I, I'm sure he's just kind of playing along with the kids, entertaining them, whatever. But, you know, when the mummy shows up, then he knows it's real. But didn't he kind of seem like once he got a hold of the book and yeah, maybe he saw the amulet that he almost knew what to do? I don't know. It's, it's true. It kind of threw me for a loop because it almost felt like he knew about it 
but he needed that confirmation or something. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into that. You know, and that's the thing about these movies that we love so much as we end up watching them and reading into them and taking away from these films things that may not have been intentional, but darn it if they're not there. Yeah. This guy, scary German guy played by Leonardo Cimino, veteran actor, really, really good at what he does. And to have him, as well as like the mom from Goonies, Mary Ellen Trainer, and the dad, Stephen Mocked, to have the real world non-monster adults in this film mixing it up as seriously as the kids are with the monsters, it, it never makes it feel like we're dumb for believing in monsters. You know, everybody's on board. It's great. Absolutely. And what was the, what else was the dad in? I know he was in a lot of stuff. Uh, Stephen mocked again, he did a lot of television, a lot of television, but yeah. uh, he was in some Star Trek stuff. I think he did an episode of Deep Space Nine. He did some soap operas. I think he did a number of episodes of all things Murder, She Wrote, which there's a reason why I've been watching a lot of Murder, She Wrote lately. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> he he uh, was in Graveyard Shift, which was a Stephen King movie from the 90s, I believe. It was a adaptation. I'm not 100% sure. I don't remember. I, yeah, I think so, too. But yeah, he's another one of these guys who just did a lot of television and brought a certain amount of, uh, I don't know, gravitas might be saying too much, but seriousness and believability to the role. And I loved him as a cop. Him and his oh, partner, yeah. their back and forth, their banter was great. Uh-huh. Oh, it was wonderful. And you just actually get sad when his partner gets blown up. You know, you, yeah. you're rooting for them the whole time because they're those kind of partners that you see in the movies that you never want one, something to happen to one of them. Right. And then it was kind of nonchalant because he just kind of looks over. He's like, oh, yeah, he got blown up. On to the next. <laughs> well... But his, his kids are in danger. Yeah. So I guess you got to keep moving. <laughs> no, I, I, I love their scenes together. The first time we see him at the museum together, this is too hard. Let's go be firemen instead. I mean, just that kind of quirky, <laughs> you know, that, that sarcasm. I really liked that. And especially. And when, when he's laughing at him because they're going to go chase Dracula, he's laughing. He thinks it's yes. hilarious. Until they drive through the car. <laughs> and that whole bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was great they were very good together and my dad was a railroader when i was a kid mm-hmm. and one of the things i could relate to with um sean and phoebe is my dad was gone a lot sure and i my parents kind of had some of the same issues that was going on with their parents okay and you know my dad would do things to try to make up for things because he was gone kind of like, you know, how he got on the roof and watched the movie with him. It just, it kind of felt like what we went through a little bit. Gotcha. So, yeah, I think that was pretty important for me as a kid anyway. I didn't have that experience growing up. Um, you know, my brother and I being military kids, we moved around a lot. So we didn't have like that home base of friends that we went through our entire school career with and, and didn't have clubhouses because we lived on base housing, that sort of thing. And with dad, his schedule was pretty set for the most part. Yeah. So we didn't have a lot of that. But I could see that with you and having that kind of railroader background because a lot of times they're on the road for, for days on end, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, he was he was gone for Christmases, birthdays. That was oh. just became part of our life. Oh. And I remember when I married Kevin, he said he wanted, he thought about becoming a railroader. I said, no, because it's a hard life. I mean, you have to be ready to 
basically have half your life away from your family. Yeah. So, um, I, I couldn't have seen him doing that. I understood the kids a little bit, but you're right. Phoebe, I think Sean understands a lot more of what's going on with them than Phoebe does. Yeah. So I love the Wolfman character in this. Um, this Wolfman is what informed my definition of what Wolfmen were for years before I was really into the classic monster stuff, watching like the Wolfman with Lon Chaney or, or even curse of the werewolf from hammer films with Oliver Reed, this guy, this look with the white shirt and the torn sleeves, but the cuff still attached and the way he kind of moves, that was a werewolf, a Wolfman to me. That was the so guy. classic. Oh yeah. And that inner conflict. He is so good at that. When he's in human form, he just wants to not do anything bad. And then when he's a wolf, I mean, he changes so drastically. Mm-hmm. And I love that because that's what you think of when you think Wolfman. Yeah. I mean, he really tapped so into that classic, it. that classic inner turmoil that you see in the classic Wolfman films from Universal. And that's, no surprise, so much of this film is inspired by the classic Universal monster movies. The designs are just slightly different, so they didn't get in trouble copyright or trademark-wise. But, I mean, you can't look at this and say, hey, yeah, that's uh, that's the Universal Monster Rally right there. That's that's the group. Even the creature from the Black Lagoon, they call him the Gill Man in the credits, but that's about it. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. That's so interesting. It, it wasn't produced or released by Universal. They passed on it, which is their loss, I suppose. I mean, I don't know. Maybe we wouldn't be talking about some movie now. <laughs> what is it? 30, 40, 40 years later? Oh, my God. Oh, geez. Yeah, <laughs> during your 40 years. Yep. Now I feel old. Thanks, Lori. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's all my fault. It's all my fault. I was a whopping six years old when this movie came out. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I, I Because it is an older movie. So weird to talk about a movie from the 80s as being an older movie. But since it is an older movie, there are a couple of things that didn't age well. And I would be remiss if we didn't mention it. Just having a main character called Fat Kid probably wouldn't fly today. Not really the best <laughs> best thing. I don't appreciate it being pleasantly plot myself. You know, yeah. I, I find it a tad degrading. Yeah. Especially since his friends call him that. Yeah. It isn't like it's just what the, the bullies are calling him. Although I would like to point out that even for the time, I love how Rudy, Ryan Lambert's character, mm-hmm. came to bat for Fat Kid. Fat Kid. I think he calls him Horace. Ted, and I don't think he ever called him Fat Kid in the whole movie. Oh, good for him. The thug with like. Well, and it was <sighs> so out of character for him because he's obviously not someone who's, you know, always thinking about others' feelings, obviously. And he really, you know, he stepped up to the plate and he, he got that kid for him. And that was pretty cool. We all needed a Rudy in our life, I think, at some point. Didn't we all? <laughs> <laughs> of course, being a girl, I needed him for a whole nother reason. But okay. we won't go into that. <laughs> uh, he aged pretty well. I looked him up and he's still looking pretty good. Hey, he's in that documentary, that Wolfman's Got Nards documentary. So he, he and... Well, we might both have to look that up. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the the oh, other the other thing that didn't age very well, and I'm just going to mention it, and I know for the time how kids talked, 
whatever, but there's a couple of homophobic slurs in it. And uh, I always cringe. Thank you for bringing that up. I didn't know if I was allowed to, but I I never noticed it before. Yeah. And it really, it struck my heart when I heard it. Yeah. It's just, it's. And. (laughs) You're going to see 80s. I know that in the 80s, they didn't think of it like that. I mean, the word that he used, I'm not even going to say it because it's horrible. Right. The word he used, they didn't even mean it in a homophobic content. It was more of like, you're such a loser is what they were saying, I think. No, 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 no. Because at that part, they were talking about how he had, he said he touched me or something about the principal. Yeah. No, no, they were definitely not. (laughs) They were referring to it. And it was, it was bad. It's the one thing that if, and, and I'm not a big proponent of going back and re-editing movies or whatever, but it's the one thing that I would skip over because it just, it, it takes me out of it just for a moment. I completely agree. But I look at the movies that I love, you know, the movies from the 30s, 40s, and 50s, African Americans weren't treated very well in those movies. Women weren't treated very well in those movies. So, I mean, I think it's okay to enjoy something, but still kind of acknowledge that there are some dated things in it that. Oh, make us cringe today. And oh, really and so. it did. It just made me yeah. cringe. And I had forgotten all about it, to be honest. I didn't. Right. And like I think I that's said, a good as thing. a kid, I don't think it even got my radar. I didn't yeah. even notice it. Yeah. So yeah. either that or I didn't even know what it meant. So because yeah. <laughs> my parents True. didn't talk like that. So True. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's just one of those things. I mean, you, you kind of skip over it because when we think about what we enjoy about this movie, it's just not the comments that are made like that. It's the adventure, the, the romp that these kids that are probably more realistic as kids than the kids in the Goonies were fighting monsters. And that's, that's what I wanted as a kid, man. I, I would have been all over that, man. If monsters oh, showed up, sure. I'm there. I'm there. I'm not Horace saying maybe we can be math club instead. I'm like, let's go. Oh yeah. You and your brother, definitely. One of you would have been filming and the other one, <laughs> well, should we say would have been lighting the other one on fire at some point. Or oh boy. Who knows with you guys? Who knows? <laughs> Your poor mother. That's all I have to say. Oh, see, I don't even have to bring that up anymore. <laughs> Everybody else brings it up and it still makes her kind of cringe. And I'm, you know, I'm fine. <laughs> oh, she brings it up. She brings it up. I survived. I think in a way she's proud of what you've done. Like, oh, she's so proud of you. But I think in a way she's like, I'm mad that you did it, but I'm so proud that you were able to do it. Does that make sense? I'll ask her about it next time I see her, next time I chat with her. So Lori said. <laughs> exactly. Blame it all on me. There you go. There <laughs> I'm you the go. one that lives here with her. So, you know, I, I have to deal with her. <laughs> Love you, mom, if you're listening. <laughs> um, there, there is a character named Derek in the film. Uh, he's a jerk, so I don't want to talk about him too much more. Uh, but his buddy is EJ, who is Jason Hervey from The Wonder Years. Yes. There you go. I mean, that's kind of cool. That is cool. But yeah, just overall, I love the film so much. Now, you said you saw it when you were a kid. Do you remember, like, what the circumstances were? Was it in a theater, on video? Actually, I do remember. My parents, of course, like, I think all of our parents used to, we had a video cassette recorder, and I don't think Lexi even knows what that is, but we would, you know, (laughs) they would wait for things to come on on Showtime or HBO, and they would record them. We had a very wide library. Well, I came across it one day as a kid. I didn't even know what it was, and I watched it. 
I don't even know why they recorded it. The only thing I can think is my dad probably liked it. Because it's not like he recorded it and then said, oh, I recorded this for you guys. Huh. Yeah, but I was, I know I was little, little enough that I waited until they weren't paying attention to watch it. <laughs> so just in case I wasn't allowed to. But yeah, I, I remember watching it and then immediately being scared afterwards and kind of regretting it a little bit. But remember that it was just that good scared that yeah. it was so exciting and interesting. And like you said, you want to go do what they did. Yeah. For you, like, I'm sure you wanted to a little bit more cause you were a boy. And like I said, I just wanted to meet Ryan Lambert. So <laughs> <we're>, <laughs> uh-huh. but, no, I, I think it would have been a lot of fun, but yeah, it was, it was just an interesting, like I said, I just came upon it and it was a, a good find though. I'll say that. I saw it on VHS. I rented it at the video store when I was visiting my grandparents down there in Arizona. Oh, I fun. Don't, I don't remember the circumstances or whatever. I remember seeing the trailer on TV and I guess at that point I just, I didn't call them trailers. They were previews. So I saw the preview on TV and I wanted to see it, but I was always afraid to kind of express that I wanted to see it because what was in the preview was the Wolfman's Got Nard scene. And I didn't want, oh. you know, I was kind of afraid to bring it up. It's like, oh, they're not going to let me see it. I'm not going to bring it up, you know. But I ended up running it on video and VHS and I ended up watching it in that front room at my grandparents' house. Uh, and <laughs> I just fell in love with it, man. I just... Did Grandpa so and Grandma watch it with you? Nope. It was in the middle of the afternoon. They were doing something else and I just sat down to watch the movie. Fun. And... That's fun. Know, uh, when I worked at a video store, I made sure I was renting it all the time. I eventually ended up working at a video store that sold videos, not just rent them. And I bought it and I had it on VHS and then, you know, the DVD and the Blu-ray have come out over the years. I've picked those up as well because I just can't get enough of this movie. There's just so much to it that means so much to me as a monster kid, as a fan of these films. I think it's an important movie exactly. for, for a lot of us that grew up in the 80s. And it's not just a reference to the monsters. I mean, Fred Decker's talked about how he wanted to honor the monsters, but he also really liked the Little Rascals movie. So he wanted that kind of our gang approach. And I totally get that, too. Well, that's interesting. And it makes sense when you say it. And you've got a range of ages. You know, you've got the little girl. you got the little boy, uh, Eugene. Oh. <laughs> he was so cute. <laughs> Monster in my closet. Or what does he say at the end? Mummy came in my house and monster stole my Twinkie. Those are the two big lines. That's right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. He was so cute. Uh, he was the younger Faustino, uh, the younger brother of the guy that was on uh, Married with Children, which I didn't realize until many years later. Not that I watched Married with Children I a lot. didn't know but that. Yeah. Yeah. That's his little brother, Michael Faustino. Wow. Yeah. And I don't know if he went on to do much more. I didn't really follow his career too much. Um, a lot of them I just really didn't follow. Because at that, when I first saw it, I was just like, yeah, you know, it's a movie. I didn't really pay attention to, well, what did this actor do? And there wasn't the internet to look up this or that to see what he was doing next, you know? So, Well, we didn't have the platforms to look up the information that we yeah. do now. I mean, yeah. you'd have to darn near go to the library back then to find out anything about people. Now you just get on your phone. So it's a lot different now, too. That's true. But yeah, I'm I'm so excited that you asked me to um, talk about this with you because it, it really... If I had to rate it in my, you know, top five of movies, it would definitely be up there in probably like two or three. I, wow. I love it. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's definitely one of my, a classic for me that I could watch 
anytime, anywhere. It's just one of those movies for me. Wow, that's awesome. And the soundtrack. I mean, you can't beat that either. Oh, my God. The music is so cool. I love... So... Okay. The Monster Squad in the Monster Squad by the Monster Squad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for the record, listeners of the show know that I love my film scores. I didn't bring up film music this time. My guest did. So thank you for opening the door, for letting me gush about You're the welcome. music. Uh, <laughs> I love the film. So I love the score. I love the instrumental stuff. Uh, Bruce Broughton's the composer, and it's got this immediately gothic adventure style vibe to it that I listen to a lot here. And then the Monster Squad rap at the end. I grew up loving rap music, and I've been listening to a lot of old school rap again lately. And, I mean, that just hits me right where it needs to hit me. I love it. I wish I knew who did it. And you can't find anything on it. I mean, after you were here visiting us and you mentioned it, I tried to do a lot of research. No one is trying to take credit for that song. (laughs) So, I... And it's so wonderful. I don't know why. <laughs> it's, it's a great song. It's so cool. And then, of course, you've got Rock Until You Drop. So I have a little bit of information about Rock Until You Drop. Rock Until You Drop was not originally intended for this film. Um, in fact, when I saw this theatrically a couple of years ago here and the director was here, there was a Q&A afterwards. And I asked him about Rock Until You Drop and he just moved on to the next question. He didn't even want to talk about it. Um <laughs> I think it's an iconic piece of music for this film, but it wasn't intended for it. In fact, it was originally written for a movie called Campus Man and appeared in that as well, from what I understand. I don't even know what that is. Campus Man (laughs) was a movie from 1987, and it's about this guy who needs money and he makes a sports calendar with sexy men and not a movie that... Um, I think about a lot. Well, obviously, I mean, I've never heard of it, so. (laughs) (laughs) But but, Rock Until You Drop is one of those pieces of music. Again, it's iconic. It's become something that we really care about and link to this film because of that whole sequence, you know, right down to Rudy stealing the the archery equipment and uh, Robbie. Making bullets and shop class because we all can do that, you know. Super easy. Super. Super easy to do that. Absolutely. Teachers just, you know, they're like, wow, you get an A because you can make bullets. Take them home with you. And Patrick making the business cards. I mean, that at that part, I don't know why, but as a kid, that part always bothered me because <laughs> as he's cutting it, the paper always gets all screwed up. I'm like, dude, you're not cutting them straight. I just want to get in there a little bit of OCD and be like, dude, straighten it up. But I did the okay. same thing. I'm looking at it like, wait a minute, that is so crooked. Hold on, hold on, go back. <laughs> <laughs> Don't hand that one out. Do the next batch. <laughs> oh, man. So that song was not available for a very, very long time. The soundtrack to this movie was not available for a long time. But I did when I found out who created the song, uh, produced the song, his name was Michael Cimbello. I found his website <laughs> And I wrote to him and asked him if that song had ever been released anywhere because I certainly would like to buy it. And instead of sending me a link or saying, hey, this is how much it is, he just sent me the song by email. And I immediately shared it with, probably shouldn't have done it, but I immediately shared it with all my Monster Squad loving friends. It's like, dude, I got the song, you know. Uh, In fact, I remember I was involved with a a role-playing game group at the time. And 
I shared it with the guy who was running the game and it was a horror Dungeons and Dragons Ravenloft game. And he wrapped up every game by playing rock until you drop. And it pissed everybody off, but me, cause I loved it. <laughs> oh, I love it. I, I listened to it in the car the other day. And of course my wonderful child, who's getting a lot of shout outs in this uh, podcast, she, um, wasn't so appreciative of it that, you know, I made it play all the way through and she's going to have to learn to love it. <laughs> and then I followed it with the Goonies song. So well, I was in go. quite a mood the other day. Hey, if she wants to stay in this family, she has to learn to love this music. She's going to have to learn <laughs> to love a lot of music that's well before her time. Uh, now, Le- Lexi actually has been pretty receptive to a lot of the stuff that I've shared with her and, and you've shared with she's her over the years. very... I think- cool when I, I in all actuality and I'm giving her a hard time on this but when it comes to music that kid's pretty cool I'll put it that way she's got yeah. some good taste now she does roll her eyes when I start talking about Ultraman with her but you know I mean there's still time for the Backstreet Boys <laughs> oh boy yes <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, that's your fault though that's all your fault. That's not my fault. That's friend of the show's Joe Schultz's fault, since he did the makeup effects on the Backstreet's Back music video. That, that's how it comes up. It's, it's not me. It's all him. Which, by the way, if you're listening, you are amazing. That was some great stuff. I just talked to Joe the other day. So, yeah, shout out to Joe, man. Yes, yeah, shout out. Uh, it was what are we, amazing. What, what are we talking about? <laughs> The Monster Squad. Sorry, we got off balance. We got off base there. Ah, uh, no, it's okay. If you listen to old episodes or previous episodes of the show, that happens. Get a couple of fans of these movies, a couple of Monster Kids chat, and we get all over the place. Well, but the one through line is always monsters. And one thing we've always had in common is this: we've had a commonality when it comes to the monster stuff. Yeah, I, I love this film. I love that I've been able to share some of these movies with you over the years. Uh, I remember having a conversation with you several years ago about the movie White Zombie. Uh, so, yeah, I, I always thought you were okay. But when you started talking about White Zombie, it's like, okay, Lori's cool. Lori's you know, I guess we can keep her. <laughs> well, I try. I'm definitely not quite up to the, the same standards that you are, but I try. I try. I learn a lot from nah. you. I'll put it that way. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. I, I, I love talking about this movie with people. I know there are some people out there who have not seen it. I do know some people don't like it, like actively dislike it. Um, huh. Somebody that has been on the podcast in the past, I'm not going to mention any names, Jeff Martin, but he has said a couple of times, Jeff Martin, that he's not a huge fan of this movie, Jeff Martin, because he feels like the costumes Jeff Martin are too costumey. Well, Jeff Martin, we need to have a talk, Jeff Martin. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know who you're talking about. Jeff Martin. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, that guy. No, you can re- you can find me on Facebook, Jeff Martin. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> nah, Jeff's a cool guy, and he knows I love this movie, and it, it's all good. Besides, he runs the Joy Cinema, and he does Weird Wednesdays with everybody. It's just he's, so he more than makes up for it. You know, just, and one yeah. cool thing about movies is everybody has their own opinion, and that just makes the discussion that much more fun. Right. I mean, just like you and I, even talking about this movie that we love, we pick up on different things and know different things. Like in this film, that final sequence, we've seen that set in other movies. That's the Back to the Future Town Square. I was wondering about that when I was watching it the other day, but I thought, oh, it's just, it has to just be similar. No, I mean, that, that is the Back to the Future Town Square. That's 
always something that's impressed me. Everybody talks about that town square and Back to the Future and all that. Like, no, 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 that's where the monsters are. That's where Dracula does that awesome walk. I mean, it gives me goosebumps thinking about it. Just everybody that walks up to him gets annihilated. And you have to wonder, why are you still walking up to him? Yeah, what do you think you're going to do that the three other cops that ran up to him a second ago didn't do? You know, you're you're done. I, I am literally... And I mean this literally, literally getting goosebumps right now. If this was a video podcast, I'd shove my arm in front of the camera so you can <laughs> see, because I, I am getting goosebumps thinking about it. That that sequence has always stuck with me as one of the most dangerous, one of the most scary Dracula moments. Absolutely. How he walks up and he almost entrances her by touching her face so delicately and giving her that look with a smile. And then he just grips on and lifts her off the ground and... It's terrifying. I mean, I've got goosebumps just talking about it. Yep. I get excited. <laughs> I mean, I want to go watch it again. I think that's what I'm going to do when we're done recording here. I have chores to do. I have some other things to watch. But you know what? It's the Monster Squad. I need to go watch it again, man. Well, I'll have to throw it on myself, and we'll just have to text back and forth about it. Maybe we'll catch on to some more stuff. We can talk about it again. There you go. <laughs> but in all actuality, I would love to come back and talk about other movies and oh sure this has been a lot of fun oh yeah definitely and i think the next time we're together Lori, whether i'm visiting down there or you make your way up here to portland we're going to put this movie in and watch it together whether lexi wants to or not we're going to watch this movie together. for sure and i think it's just about time that we get down there to visit you guys anyway so there you go well make sure when you come you're here for a wednesday so we can go to weird wednesday and go visit jeff martin and make sure he understands that he's wrong about the <laughs> that would be score. a lot of fun jeff martin <laughs> but for all you guys oh, listening man. out there this... my brother-in-law is awesome and thank you so much for supporting oh. him because it means the world to me as his sister wow yes keep going i mean keep keep going <laughs> well he is very if you know no. him you know how awesome he is that's all i have to say <laughs> and if you don't know him you suck i'm just kidding i'm kidding oh oh i'm kidding wow. i'm kidding no he's <laughs> he's just one of the best and I am so thankful for all the people who support you. Well, thanks. I appreciate that, Lori. I, I am grateful for our relationship, and that means a lot. So thank you. And we we should definitely have you on the show again. Let's find a movie that I have not talked about here on the show before and uh, bring you on, and we'll talk some more about some classic monster movies. That would be a lot of fun. A lot of fun. And I'm all in. Thank you for tolerating me, everybody. I, it's my first time, so be kind. Maury, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for doing this we had some issues scheduling just trying to make everything work there's a time zone difference between me up here in Oregon and Lori down there in Arizona so trying to get that worked out was a thing plus there's a bunch of other things that kind of came up but we finally made it happen I'm so glad that Lori was patient enough with me to schedule everything and make it work because I had a good time chatting with her and listeners you can learn a lesson from Lori really the best way to make sure that you can be a guest on Monster Kid Radio is just start talking about how great I am to everybody and you're in <laughs> just I uh, nah. I appreciate all the kind words Lori had for me I really appreciate her and we'll definitely have her back on the show in the future thanks again Lori and because the song came up and I was kind of curious I looked up Rock Until You Drop and stumbled across a version of the song that somebody posted online the musician Console Crash did his own version of the song and it's described by bloodydisgusting.com as a spooky acoustic spin 
on Michael Cimbello's classic 80s tune. I reached out and Console Crash gave us permission to play that song here on the show. So rock until you drop. Gendre. I see death. 
master of the undead damned. The sinister power behind the white zombie. Zombies. Yes, they are my servants. This soul killer takes men from their graves to be his slaves. His instruments of terror, and now this fiend plots to possess a woman. The white zombie obeys the unholy commands of her demon master. As mindless creatures carry out his cursed will, terror explodes in horror and heartquake. From the spine-chilling world of the living dead comes a never-to-be-forgotten combination of motion picture thrills. Two great new terror hits on one sensational program at your movie theater. Horror of Dracula. Plus, the thing that couldn't die. Horror of Dracula. Dracula, the terrifying lover who lusts for human blood. Dracula, the human vampire who rises each night from his coffin bed to seek the rendezvous that alone can keep him alive. Who will be the bride of Dracula tonight? Horror of Dracula. All new and in flaming technicolor. Plus this second thrill hit, the thing that couldn't die. What is it, this head that lives without a body? A monstrous thing that enslaves every woman, destroys every man who stares into its eyes. See both on the same show. Horror of Dracula and the thing that couldn't die. That brings us to the end of this episode of Monster Kid Radio. I want to thank everybody for being, well, on the other end of this thing. Listening to the show, downloading it, sharing with your friends, retweeting tweets, posting things on Facebook, just spreading the word, leaving honest reviews about the podcast and various podcast directories. If you do Apple Podcasts or I don't know where else you download podcasts these days. I use an app called Beyond Pod on my phone. But wherever you download the show, please consider leaving an honest review. The more the merrier. I appreciate you guys and gals so much. I appreciate Kenny and his segments. I appreciate Tom and his email. And I appreciate Lori and her participation this week in Flashback February. What's coming up next week on Flashback February? I have no idea. I don't have anything recorded yet. I'm trying to set some things up, so keep your fingers and tentacles crossed that we'll have another Flashback February episode next week. Don't worry, if we don't have Flashback February, I might take a short break from Flashback February and do another episode that's not part of Flashback February. How many more times am I going to say Flashback Back February, uh, maybe three or four more times, but stay tuned, I guess, is what I'm saying, especially over at monsterkidradio.net, because that's where everything that goes on here at the show gets posted online for you guys and gals to check out. Our email address is over there. Again, that's monsterkidradio at gmail.com. You can also call us and leave us a voicemail. Our voicemail line is 503-479-5657. That's 503-479-5M. K-R. I'll make sure there's also a link in the show notes directing you to the first time we talked about the Monster Squad here on the show. It was a couple of years ago and it was more of a we crashed the movie kind of thing than actually reviewing or talking about the film in depth. So if you want a different take on the Monster Squad, you can follow that link and go back and listen to that episode. 
Of course, there will also be links to the Rondo Hatton Classic Horror Awards page and the Classic Horror Film Board and directions on how you can vote for Monster Kid Radio for Best Multimedia in this year's Rondo Awards, or really anybody that you think is worthy of being voted in. Of course, there's also the Best Independent Film, Best Feature Film, Best Television, Best Comic Book, Best Magazine, Monster Kid of the Year, Monster Kid Hall of Fame. I mean, there's just so much there. Follow the link, check out the categories, send your email to Dave Colton at taraco at AOL.com. Again, that's T-A-R-A-C-O at AOL.com and let them know who you're voting for in each category, but you don't have to vote in each one. And you know what? It just occurred to me that when I was responding to Tom's letter at the beginning of the show, where he was talking about Van Helsing, the movie Van Helsing, that is, I didn't really make any comments on that. And I will say this. My favorite part about that movie is the music. The film score in that is awesome. only want to make sure I mention it because, well, I know some listeners of the show really like that movie. And, you know, to each their own. Once again, big thanks to the musician Console Crash for letting us play his cover his version of Rock Until You Drop. And if you want to hear what his thoughts are on monster movies, go check him out at the Horror Movie Night Podcast at hmnpodcast.com, where he and his co-hosts talk about, well, more cult movies than what we talk about here, but but they do it with the same passion that we talk about our kind of movies here on MKR. Thanks again, man. Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 Unported License. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song The 57. That belongs to the Spy Tones. It's from their album Over the Moon that came out last month. You can find them at bobconroy.bandcamp.com. And once again, I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes so you can go over there and buy the entire digital album. Name your price. I mean, you can't get any better than that, right? 15 songs, all top-notch. Again, let them know that MKR sent them your way. My name is Derek M. Cook. I'll talk to everybody next week when we talk about something. Ciao.